Thank you for tuning in to the Career Exploration Podcast, brought to you by Northeast Ohio Medical University's College of Pharmacy. You're listening to the Career Exploration Podcast for future and current pharmacists. We're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to introducing you to some of the many career paths available for pharmacists. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of our Career Exploration Podcast. We're joined today by two veterinary pharmacists from the Ohio State University Veterinary Medical Center, Dr. Megan Flanagan and Dr. Ricky Horn. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's so nice to have you both here. Awesome. I enjoy talking about this subject. So <laughs> We enjoy learning about it. And I think Chris and I are going to learn a ton about veterinary pharmacy that we had no idea. That's exactly what I was just going to say. We can't wait to hear about it. So um, I'm curious uh, to see kind of how you got into veterinary pharmacy, because it's a very niche sort of area of pharmacy that not a lot of people uh, maybe get into. There's not a lot of residency programs available for it. Um, So I'm kind of curious maybe how you got into it. So since you graduated pharmacy school, can you uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey and how you kind of got to where you are. Uh, Megan, would you mind going first? Yeah, that's, um, I know we, we both have um, some pretty different paths of how we got here. So it's fun just for us to talk about. Um, So yeah, I, I had a slight interest in veterinary medicine when I was in undergrad, but then I found out that all veterinarians have to do surgery and that was out. So I changed my major to pre pharmacy and uh, went from there. So I went to, Ohio State for undergrad and pharmacy school. I interned at CVS that whole time um, and signed with CVS when I graduated. I just kind of never thought that the veterinary thing could get merged back into my life. So that early decision to switch to pharmacy sent me uh, to CVS. So I worked there for about four years and then was looking for a change and saw an opening at the Ohio State Veterinary Medical Center, which I knew pharmacists worked there because OSU had an appy rotation there, but it didn't get the appy rotation. And that was kind of the end of that. So um, I was super excited to interview there and just fell in love with it. Love at first sight. It's just the way that everything was done and the animals and the whole setup. And, you know, I hadn't even been in a hospital pharmacy before that I was in community setting. So um, I just loved it. So I started working there as a staff pharmacist in 2015. And this past summer in 2020 became the pharmacy manager there. And I'm sure we'll talk in the future about what made me fall in love and <laughs> why I love it so much. But that was my journey to where I am now. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome because I, I think a lot of people, you know, have a similar story in terms of, you know, they think they know which area of pharmacy they want to get into and then they get to pharmacy school and they realize, Oh my gosh, there's so much more out there. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting that you stumbled upon veterinary pharmacy. And I think it's a good mix between what you wanted to do uh, originally. Um, and now you still get to do it. So I think that's awesome. Uh, Ricky, what about you? How did you get uh, interested in veterinary pharmacy and how'd you get to where you are? So, so as Megan mentioned, um, we both have a little bit different backgrounds as how we got into veterinary medicine. Um, but we do have the same beginning. So we both are interested in veterinary medicine to begin with. So when I was in undergrad, I actually got my degree in zoology because I was planning to go into vet medicine. And then right when application period started. You had to get your training hours. I started doing my training to be competitive on paper for my hands-on experience. And I just, it was not a good fit for me. Um, it was just something that like having to deal with euthanasias, like having surgeries were very difficult to even watch 
Um, and it was just something I realized there was a part of me that I respect the field. I love the field so much and I respect what veterinarians do, but I knew in my heart that it was not a good fit for me. So I made a last minute um, career choice change and I went into pharmacy school um, and I went to U of M. I loved the curriculum. I liked the layout of the program and I was very excited to go to pharmacy school and become a pharmacist. But around my second year of pharmacy school, I started not doing too well in school. And unfortunately, I did have to repeat a year. But I'm so thankful that that happened because it gave me an opportunity to really sit down and think about what I wanted to do in pharmacy. And so I could have a passion to work towards in pharmacy school. I actually started Googling veterinary medicine, pharmacist and vet medicine, because I was working as a compounding at a compounding pharmacy. So I realized we were making prescriptions for horses and um, ear gels for dogs. So it kind of got me thinking, what can I do as a pharmacist in vet medicine? And I came across um, a program called the Society of Veterinary Hospital Pharmacists. They had a PDF or PowerPoint slide on careers in vet medicine as a pharmacist. And I read that. I remember I walked downstairs to, I gave the PowerPoint show to my parents. I was like, this is what I'm going to do in in pharmacy. It's my calling. (laughs) So I did everything that I could um, in school to be able to get experience. And I applied for a residency and I got a residency program at the University of Wisconsin-Madison at their veterinary teaching hospital. And now I'm here working at Ohio State. That's so great to hear. You had so much passion for that. It's it's so nice to see that the end result and being able to work in a field that you love so much. And I enjoyed hearing both of your stories. And I think we probably have a lot of students that are probably thinking, wow, you know, you're, you're exposing a lot of new students today to this field. So that, that's exciting. So thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, if, if they're listening and they're excited about what they hear, they might want to know a little bit more about your roles and what it's like to collaborate and care for the animal patients. Could you tell us a little bit about maybe what a typical day or maybe what a typical week could look like? Maybe, maybe Ricky, you can go first. Sure. So um, our main roles as pharmacists here at the vet hospital right now is staffing positions. So it's, it's really funny because when you hear veterinary medicine, people are like, what do you do as a pharmacist? Like your mind is just thinking like you're just basically you're on the moon doing whatever you want. You're working with animals, but at the end of the day, we still are pharmacists. So we are responsible for reviewing prescriptions that come in, for dosing, making sure there's no drug interactions, making sure that everything is packaged appropriately, that we counsel with owners. So it is very typical. Um, Megan always has a great spiel about what she loves about vet pharmacy. So I'm going to like let her say it, but because um, she does a really good job about explaining what we do, because it really is a great mix of inpatient the hospital type care and outpatient, so community care. Um, And we have a lot of opportunities to work as far as being um, advocates for pharmacists within the field and advocates for owners. So being able to make patient handouts, client handouts, um, and communication tools for them, but also one thing that I do day in and day out is more of a clinical side. So I work very closely with the veterinarians as far as answering questions that they have about medication. So I do what's called drug information responses. Um, we'll have complicated patient cases. For instance, um, 
like a fungal infection, a patient with a fungal infection comes in and they don't know what to give or how to dose the medication because the patient has another disease state and they want to make sure it's appropriate. So I work with the clinicians on coming up with what is the appropriate therapy for the patient, what dose we should do, how long we should do it, what we should monitor. Um, and that's one of my main roles as a pharmacist daily. I also, on the side, get to put my hands on a lot of research products. So I um, do what's called blinding, where I randomize patients to receive certain drugs and the doctors don't know what they're getting and the owners don't know what they're giving. Um, so that way we can get really good data for our study. So um, that's something that I had the opportunity to work in. But I feel like in vet medicine as a whole, it's really, if you have the team that you can do extra things in, you can really grow your, your practice area, depending on what hospital type you're working at, obviously. But you can always grow in your field and do new things daily. So it sounds like you're really integrated as part of the medical team, right? It's not just, you know, you're out there doing your own thing in the pharmacy. You're actually part of the medical team, making recommendations, everything like that, right? Yes. Um, I, I try to be. <laughs> when I, I will be honest, when I first started, we really weren't looked at as part of the medical team as much. It really was just, we fill the prescriptions. Um, but that's something I'm very passionate about is growing the field of vet pharmacy to being more clinical based and more integrated within the medical team, because that's where we are in human medicine today. So that I, that's something I'm passionate about and I advocate for. And luckily I work with an amazing manager, Megan, who lets me do that and grow in that field and help build that within our hospital. So I'm um, curious now, you got me excited to hear what Megan's uh, kind of spiel is about veterinary pharmacy. So I'm curious to hear this, but I'm going to have a follow-up <laughs> question for you in a second too. So Megan, go ahead and enlighten us on this. <laughs> oh my gosh, the hype. I can't handle it. <laughs> this better be good, Megan. Everyone's waiting oh now. It's good for now. <laughs> well, um, I, I mean, Ricky summarized it pretty well, but, uh, I like, I like the question, what is a typical day like in your veterinary hospital? Because one of my favorite things about working there is that there's not really a typical day, some background information about where we work. So there's really three hospitals that are kind of connected and the pharmacies in the middle. We have the hospital for companion animals. So that's dogs and cats. And then we have the equine hospital for horses and the farm animal hospital um, where it's really primarily cows. Um, and we have a lot of alpacas and pigs and goats. So typical farm animals. Um, at Ohio State, we don't have a wing of the hospital that's exotics, but a lot of veterinary hospitals also do exotics, which isn't as exotic as you sound. It's like, or as it sounds, it's like hamsters and snakes and other household pets that aren't dogs and cats. Um, but so that is kind of our patient population. And it's so it's always interesting because you're always trying to dose this drug in a different species. And, you know, the, the species have their own ways that the kinetics of the drugs work inside of them. And so it's, um, it's just really fun. I mean, I, I like that there's not a typical day. I'll definitely never be bored at work. There's always something new that's happening. Um, and like Ricky said, it's, uh, it's a mix of inpatient and outpatient. That's really hard to find in another practice setting. We, you know, we have a 797 clean room, we compound chemotherapy, we do like fully inpatient things like that. And then we also, you know, make a 
oral suspension to you know, we'll, or we'll fill your refill on eardrops and counsel the owner at the pickup. So it's really a great mix of the two different things. But yeah, my favorite thing is that there's no typical day. I love that. Yeah. I love that, that there's inpatient and outpatient. I think some students are really going to find that exciting, especially if they're struggling to determine, you know, which path is the right path for them. And I guess you can't go wrong if you get to take care of exotics, right? You, you don't get to hear that every day. But, but I also like when, when Ricky mentioned some of the responsibilities, very familiar responsibilities that other pharmacists have as well. So just a different patient population, very, very different patient population. And so that's, that's actually my follow-up question is, you know, um, how different, uh, because, you know, in pharmacy school, we don't get a ton of education on veterinary pharmacy. Right. Um, but how different is it to care for animals than it is for humans? I guess, what is, you know, a pearl or, or the biggest piece of information that you could tell us that's like, okay, that is exactly what sets apart veterinary pharmacy from, you know, taking care of, of humans. Um, I'll go first and then Ricky can add to what I'm saying. Um, so, I mean, something, one big thing it, when it, when you compare it to taking care of adult humans is the weight-based dosing. So almost all of the dosing that we do is based on weight, um, similar to human pediatrics. So a lot of times that ends up being a a very different dose than what you're used to in a human. Um, but that's a big difference is how the drugs are dosed. Um, a lot of the drugs are metabolized differently. So you just really have to, you know, you never had to when you're looking up the patient information, you never had to look at species before, but now you have to look at that and know, you know, some drugs are unsafe in some species, some drugs are dosed very differently from one species to another. So, um, it's, it's just, uh, more, more pieces of the puzzle, more things to think about when you're thinking about the appropriate appropriateness of the drug therapy. Are there references that you can readily use to find that information? Is that easy to find? Yeah. So, um, one reference, that's a really great reference and, um, it does cost money, obviously is, um, plums veterinary handbook. It's available online. We it's updated quite regularly. Um, but it does have almost all the medications that you can use in veterinary medicine, not all of them, obviously, because there's still just some that we just use, um, maybe one research paper on and we just go with it, unfortunately, but that's a great resource to have. There's also one by Papich and Sanders, and that's a drug information handbook as well. It's hard copy. Guessing there probably isn't as much um, literature on animals in, in medicine as there is on humans, right? That is correct. So there is, I think one thing that makes this a very fun career choice is that there's not a lot of information. So um, for example, one of my roles as a pharmacist here, I'm the lead pharmacist for our antimicrobial stewardship program. So you have antimicrobial stewardship in human medicine. So that's a team of people that are advocating for appropriate use of antibiotics, antifungals to help decrease what's called resistance. So these bugs start to get resistant and kind of be able to fight our medications that we're using all the time. and This has not been a popular field in veterinary medicine until recently. So within the last 
four to five years or so, it started to become known more for programs to be building antimicrobial stewardship programs. So that is one thing I do here. And there is limit, limited literature on some antibiotics in species, dosing, how long a big, the biggest thing is how long do we give antibiotics in animals? So it's very important to work with your medical team to talk about how we're going to monitor and follow up and when we should stop therapy or change therapy. Um, and there's not a lot of literature out there to do that. So it's, that's one thing I actually love about vet medicine. I wish there was more literature, but it's an opportunity for you to do more research and publish and also an opportunity for you to learn how to utilize the resources you have and think of different ways to come up with um, decisions and medication management options. Definitely sounds like you have to think outside the box a little bit. It's not, you know, completely black and white. So, and a little bit later, we'll talk about, you know, what students maybe might do well in this area and, and what students might not. But and I think that's a little foreshadowing there. So, um, all right, interesting. So, just kind of going back a second, what kind of training um, would you recommend to be a veterinary pharmacist? So each of you kind of got here a little differently, uh, but what kind of training would you recommend uh, to be a veterinary pharmacist? Uh, Megan, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll talk about um, some things that we can do. And then um, I'll let Ricky talk about resident the residency pathway since she went um, through that. But this is, um, as you can tell so far, um, not a very well-known, well-established field. Um, so you really, if you decide that you want to do this, you really have to take initiative to give yourself the experience um, that you need to know if this is right for you and to set you apart from other students that might be interested in it. So, you know, shadow at veterinary clinic. I mean, if there's a veterinary pharmacy near you, that's amazing. Um, try to shadow their um, volunteer at shelters, help them with their medications, um, reach out to compounding pharmacies that compound for, you know, if you're looking for an intern job, compounding for animals, just trying to get any exposure um, to it that you can find. Um, work with your pharmacy school. A lot of times they'll reach out to us for iffy and appy hour, the hours that you're required to get at various pharmacy settings when you're in school. Um, but it's really something that you have to take initiative for and reach out to try to do. It's not an established path that you'll find in pharmacy school, um, which is great. I mean, now working with other veterinary pharmacists, it really selects for people who are passionate about it and really went out of their way to take this career. So, um, yeah, I think that that's my main advice is, you know, you got to take initiative. You got to find things that will help you learn more about veterinary pharmacy. There's some on, there's some, um, online elective courses too, or if your pharmacy school offers a pharmacy elective, um, just really, you have to take initiative to get out there and learn more about it on your own. So just going off of something that you mentioned a little bit ago about compounding pharmacy and shadowing. Uh, so we do off, offer a shadowing program here at Neomed if you want to shadow pharmacists in Northeast Ohio. But um, question about the compounding and the dosage forms. I'm curious, what's the most unique or interesting dosage form that you've had to or that you've seen uh, administered to an animal? Ah, uh, Well, so here's the thing. We make a lot of compounds at 
the OSU Met Hospital, but we are not a compounding pharmacy. That equipment is very expensive and we probably wouldn't use it as often to get our money's worth. So a lot of really weird, really weird, interesting stuff. We will have owners fill at outside compounding pharmacies that can really specialize in dosage forms that those animals need. Um, I guess one interesting little tidbit is um, making a transdermal ointment for a cat. So if you know anything about cats, you can imagine that they are very hard to give medication to. A lot of people wrestle with their cats and get scratched and bitten. So, I mean, we can compound the tablets and capsules into liquids, which helps some people, but some people just still cannot get near their cat with anything that smells like medicine. So um, actually cats ears, the hairless part of the top of their ear um, are pretty vascular. And so if there's a drug that can be absorbed through the skin easily, that's actually a way that we could deliver drugs to a cat is applying it on the ear and then it gets absorbed through the skin and it gets absorbed in the bloodstream that way, um, through their ears. So that, that was a really fun thing to learn going into veterinary pharmacy. Definitely not a route of administration that I was used to from human medicine. Um, so we have some transdermal ointments that we carry that are, that are manufactured for cats. And then we have one that we compound as well. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a fun fact. I know. I think Fatty was looking for something really crazy, but that may, it's maybe not crazy, but that's very practical. I like that. That's, that's interesting. That is. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it really is interesting. Cause I, I think, you know, I would assume a lot of flavoring goes into stuff. So, you know what? I do have another follow-up question. Sorry, I'm asking all these follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard somewhere and correct me if I'm wrong. Is it different? Is like, is it different treating like a warm blooded animal versus a cold blooded animal? Like do medications work differently there or, like, I don't know. Is that a thing? Um, that is a thing. I, again, don't know that much about it because we don't do exotics at OSU. So, um, I mean, I know just from having to look at primary literature and like reading other cases of people treating reptiles. Um, but it's not something that I think about in my day to day because we, we have only warm blooded animals at OSU right now. <laughs> So Ricky, your career path was a little different. So now you did a residency um, that specialized in, in veterinary pharmacy, correct? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, during my residency program, well, I guess I can start from the beginning just a little bit. Megan mentioned ways that you can get more involved and more experienced in veterinary medicine. I talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I did inter- my internship at a community at a compounding pharmacy, and that's where I got a lot of exposure into vet medicine. And that was one thing I knew would kind of set me apart for residency is being able to have that experience upon my application because we do a lot of compounding in vet medicine. Um, and I also volunteered at a humane society. Um, obviously I had to work my way up in the levels. You have different levels, um, as you volunteer, the more hours you get, uh, the more you're allowed to do within the humane society. But I got to a point where I would go into the vet clinic, review their medications, make sure things weren't expired, make sure things were labeled appropriately. I also managed their food room as well. Um, and did the same thing with expiration dates, make sure things were ordered correctly. But that's kind of how I got into a little bit of vet medicine. My university did not have an appy where I could get training in vet medicine during my fourth year. So I had to work with our experiential office and 
I set that up. I was able to set one up an Appy experience at Purdue University. And I also didn't have any education, like learning tools. So I didn't have any classes that were provided, but there is one that's available online through the University of Florida. So I was able to take that and get a class in vet pharmacy. During my residency, I, I'll be honest, I was thought I was so prepared for residency. I was like, I have all these tools. I have all this experience. But man, residency is a different world. <laughs> and you really do get thrown into a totally different experience and a lot of information all at once. So during my residency, I had the opportunity to um, work with different services. So one thing that's unique and not unique, but I think I find kind of funny is that people don't realize that veterinarians can specialize. So just as we have our medical doctors and our pharmacists, we can all specialize in different practice areas, i.e. I'm specialized in vet medicine as a pharmacist, um, but veterinarians do specialize in fields as well. So at a veterinary teaching hospital, you have veterinarians that do your general practice. So these are the veterinarians that you go on your regular yearly, every six month visits for checkups, for heartworm preventatives, for tick medication. You have what's called internal medicine doctor, veterinarians, neurology, um, oncology, ophthalmology, et cetera. So all the ologies. <laughs> and what I got to do as a resident is um, work as a pharmacist it, with those specialties. So I would rotate with them for a couple of weeks, different specialties for every couple of weeks, uh, for a couple of weeks at a time, excuse me, and just really learn what they're learning, what they're doing, what medications they use, what their patient population looks like, and then figure out ways how I, the pharmacist, can help be a part of the medical team. Um, one thing that's nice with the residency programs, yes, they are not APHA accredited, um, that does cost quite a bit of money, unfortunately. And veterinary medicine is such a small field. Uh, we're working to get accreditation. And I say we, that's the Society of Veterinary Hospital Pharmacists. Um, and we kind of have a program called the um, International Society of Veterinary Pharmacists. And they kind of oversee all of the residency programs that at vet hospitals. So we follow the ASHP guidelines for residency. So your time, your experience, your a research project that you have to do and publications, et cetera. We follow that apart as a part of the residency programs. Um, so I, I did have a lot of experience in a lot of different clinical settings within veterinary medicine. Um, I will have to say, even though we don't have exotics here, that was by far my favorite rotation that I got to do because every Wednesday we would go to wildlife a wildlife rescue center and work on wildlife. Um, I got to help figure out dosing for a bat and for uh, snapping turtles. And oh, it was just awesome. I got to see so many owls. <laughs> but Ooh, Definitely not an owl fan. I They, are, they creep oh. me out so much. An owl creeps you out? Oh my. Yes. Okay. I'm not a fan <laughs> of birds. I'm not a fan oh, of birds. Birds are scary. Birds yeah, are I don't like scary. birds. Bats especially, <laughs> but anything with wings, I'm just not a fan of. Interesting. No, bats are so cute, though. <laughs> They're no actually one. really adorable. Now, they are kind of creepy because their hand, like their wings are hands, like mm -hmm. just like our hands. They're 
it's magic. We have webs on all of our fingers and we could be bats too, but I think they're cute. (laughs) What I'm hearing is that the role really sounds like, you know, where you train and where you work, it really dictates a lot of what you see and it it really, it could look quite different, right? So your training could look really different from one site to the other. Your job could look a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Okay. That's very true. Um, every vet hospital is different for as far as pharmacist roles are. Um, our pharmacy here at OSU is a licensed pharmacy. So we're licensed with the Board of Pharmacy. So we do abide by all of the regulations that are required for pharmacies in the state of Ohio. And then there are some pharmacies within veterinary hospitals that aren't licensed and they're what's called drug rooms. And luckily though, some states have laws that are separated that separate vet medicine and drug management and vet medicine from human medicine. So it's not either, it's not as strict. Obviously it's still strict with like controlled substances and all of that, but it, they have other states have set laws of how veterinarians are supposed to manage a pharmacy. And that allows for, pharmacists to come in and manage what's called a drug room. So they may have more roles that expand towards more clinical versus not how it's really the setting that you're at, what you have available, the number of pharmacists you have working there. And um, I, yeah, I mean, one of my friends who did residency at North Carolina State University, she's the pharmacy manager at Mississippi. And for the longest time, she was the only pharmacist there with four technicians, but she was still able to go on rounds and meet with the the medical teams and help with medication management as well, because her state laws are different than ours as far as like what technicians are allowed to do. So it gave her a little bit more freedom from that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think every setting is very different. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I would not unlike other pharmacy careers, right? We're just depending on where you work and kind of your day could look very, very different. We talked about some of the rewards. I think the biggest reward is to me, it sounds very fun. I don't know. I don't know how you found it. Sounds very fun. Uh, we talked about some challenges too with, with the lack of, of information and sometimes needing to kind of come up with some different dosage forms. Is there anything else that you can think of that, that is a big reward or a big challenge to, to this career path maybe that you'd like to talk about? So a challenge that um, Ricky has really helped us start to overcome and just something that I think is kind of unique to the veterinary field is just that the role of the pharmacist is pretty new. And so there's a lot of proving yourself and establishing yourself that doesn't necessarily happen at a human hospital, especially like my experience at Ohio State. I mean, the role of the pharmacy at a big medical center like that is super established, um, on the human side. And then, um, you know, it's just, it's very different in the veterinary world. A lot of the people working at a veterinary hospital, depending on they came where they came from, don't have any experience with pharmacists and even less have experienced with residency trained veterinary pharmacists. I I think that kind of leads into my next question, which would be, you know, for the students that are listening, the prospective students, the current students, what kind of student do you think would really do well following this career path? And and then I'll ask you the uh, the flip side as well. But let's start with maybe those students who are really interested in what you're saying and which students are are maybe a good fit for this career. Personally, I think 
every student has the possibility of making this a great career choice. I mean, there's a lot of different activities you can do. If you want to focus on staffing and you just want to fill prescriptions and check prescriptions, you can set up your career to do that. Like, because we always need that, you know? Um, but the students that I love having on our happy rotations are just ones that even if they've never heard of it, they're still passionate about it at the end of the day. Like they just want to learn more. Obviously, as pharmacists, no matter what, we are lifelong learners. We have to continue our education throughout the rest of our career field. But not everybody's really passionate about that. And with vet medicine, that is almost a requirement is you should be passionate about learning because you will learn something every single day there. You will never be a complete expert in this field and you will always have to learn and you should make that like almost a goal is to make sure you learn something and you enjoy it. So I think those are the students that are going to be the best students are the ones that are eager to learn more information and to also who are passionate about making new things, I guess, and paving new ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who maybe would, would not excel in this career path or enjoy it as much? Or, uh, right away, I'm thinking the people that do not like bats and birds. So Dr. A is out. He can't, he cannot follow this career <laughs> path. I, I am sorry. very much out. I mean, <laughs> dogs and cats, I got you. Other than that, I'm good. So you're going, you're going to come in and be very selective. I will only see your dogs. I will not exactly. take care of, of any other pets. I refuse to fill this prescription for this bird. <laughs> Yes. So anybody else that maybe would be on that list that, that would not be a good candidate for, for this career path? I think you, you need to be able to think outside the box a lot. And in pharmacy school and with a lot of areas that you can specialize in within pharmacy, there is a lot of information. There's a lot of set guidelines. There's things that you can learn that are kind of always done the same way. And so people might not be comfortable with thinking outside the box or maybe making a recommendation based on a pretty small research study that they found. So it's, there's a, there's a comfort level with kind of, I don't want to say taking chances on things, but you really have to just deal with the the best information that you can find. And some, I think some people might be uncomfortable with like the level of information that we have sometimes, but you just have to educate yourself as much as possible. And that there are not set guidelines for a lot of things that we do. There are some, um, but it's definitely more outside the box than traditional human medicine. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's going to be a challenge for some people. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you have to be really creative and and want to, um, like you said, kind of think outside the box. And I know I'm not super creative either. I know a lot of students that go to pharmacy school are very, show me the evidence, give me the black and white. So I could see how some students could be a little uneasy with an area like this. But uh, like you mentioned, I mean, I've learned a lot and I think it does sound super exciting and super interesting uh, as long as, you know, you're not afraid of some of the animals. <laughs> um, all right. Last question. Um, since it's career exploration podcast, um, what is your best career exploration tip or advice? This could be for high school students, undergrad college students, for current students, even for maybe current pharmacists who are thinking about changing, you know, career paths and jumping into another area of pharmacy. Um, I really like this question. Honestly, I just, I think it goes back to, to my experiences, but I feel for your best career exploration tip or advice that I could give you is that it's okay to fail. 
we are all going to fail at some point in our life and you have to find something that you can be passionate about sometimes to succeed. And it takes a while. Sometimes you'll get into something or start building a career into a pathway that you realize is not fit for you, but it's okay. You can look at it as you're not a failure. Every time you fail, just look at it as a learning opportunity and see what you need to change, what you should look into to be able to get more experience and more education or more training. So you can go and be where you want to be in life. That's good advice. Sometimes when one door closes, another door opens, right? Sometimes it's a better door. Yeah. That's really great advice. That's hard to top. (laughs) (laughs) I also was going to say you be passionate about what you're doing. If you find that whatever you're working on, you're not passionate about, maybe look into something else that you have passion in. Because honestly, like your job should not be something you don't enjoy going to. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would say keep an open mind. The way that my mind works or at least it did before my career change to veterinary pharmacy was like I like to weigh my options make a decision and then you know just work hard at it and stick with it and I decided I was going into community pharmacy really early on I worked at CVS and that this this was the career path for me and I think I think I would have found my dream job much sooner had I had more of an open mind Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Uh, We really appreciate it. I know I definitely learned a lot about veterinary pharmacy. Kristen? I learned a lot about that. And I also learned that you don't like birds and bats. So (laughs) I will be using that to my advantage. Prank me since our office is right next to We share an office area. I love that so much. This will be fun. We'll have to send you pictures of whatever we decide to do. Yeah. (laughs) No, you guys don't understand. I have so many bat stories. It's crazy. Like, there have been. On multiple occasions, I found a bat flying around. When I was living with my parents, found a bat flying around inside my parents' house. And okay, one time that was scary. Right? Like one time in my oh, bedroom, yeah. one time in the basement, one time in the living room. And I'm like, oh heck no. I'm not no, no, no. I do not care for bats at all. Well, that's a responsible thing to be afraid <laughs> of because you don't want to go near a bat in the wild. Right. But when they're okay, when they're at the zoo, they're very cute to look at. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll agree on, on that point there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So thank you again for, for joining us. We appreciate all the pieces of advice and all the wisdom that you've given us. Hopefully our listeners learn about a new area of pharmacy that maybe they didn't know about before. Um, so again, thank you for joining us uh, and being our guests. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Northeast Ohio Medical University College of Pharmacy's Career Exploration Podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. If you like what you heard in this episode, please be sure to tune in to our next episode. Remember to check out our social media pages at NeomedCOP to submit questions for our upcoming guests. If you would like to learn more about Neomed's College of Pharmacy, we would love to talk to you. Visit www.neomed.edu pharmacy and click on pre-pharmacy to learn more or to check out the show notes for today's episode.